0: Hello again everybody, this is Jason Powers. So I had a misfire on the first episode, so we're going to go back and uh, try again. I w- will kill the opening, which is usually my opening patriotic music, so hopefully that's okay with people. So I started off talking about this um, article, Totalitarian Paranoia, uh, Paranoia Run Amok, uh, by um, Whitehead, uh, John and Nisha Whitehead at the Rutherford Institute. So they quote Once upon a time, there was a government so paranoid about its hold on power that it treated everyone and everything as a threat and a reason to expand its powers. Unfortunately, the citizens of this nation believed everything they were told by the government and they suffered for it. When the terrorists attacked the country and the government passed massive laws aimed at paving the way for a surveillance state, the people believed it and was done merely to keep them safe. The few disagreed were labeled as traitors. When the government waged costly preemptive wars on foreign countries, insisting it was necessary to protect the nation, the citizens believed it. And when the government brought the weapons and tactics of war home to use against the populace, claiming it was just a way to recycle old equipment, the people believed that too. The few disagreed were labeled unpatriotic. When the government spied on its own citizens, claiming they were looking for terrorists hiding amongst them, they believed it. When the government began tracking citizens' citizenry's movements, monitoring their spending, snooping on their social media, and surveilling them about their habits, supposedly in an effort to make their lives more efficient, the people believed that too. The few who disagreed were labeled paranoid. When the government allowed private companies to take over the prison industry and agreed to keep the jails full, justifying it as a cost-saving measure, the people believed them. And when the government started arresting and jailing people for minor infractions, claiming the only way to keep communities safe was to be tough on crime, the people believed that too. The few who disagreed were labeled soft on crime. Then the government hired crisis actors to take part in disaster drills, never alerting the public to which disasters were staged, the people generally believed they were under attack. And when the government insisted in needing greater powers to prevent such attacks from happening again, the people believed that too. The few who disagreed were told to shut up or leave the country. And this article can go on, uh, goes on like that for all the way. Um, The idea is that questioning things becomes... uh, becomes inconvenient to the government's narrative that says everything that they're doing for you is for your own good, and and then and then if you resist this, then you're considered dangerous or paranoid or uh, soft on something or don't believe believe that the government you're supposed to randomly take take the belief of the government and supplant it for your own logical and almost non-emotional because people mistake. When the government is hyperbolic about threats and society's ills, and yet they do very little, if anything, if not encourage these ills, you should naturally wonder why in the world would they would they set people up this way? And of course, we know it's corruption. It's their own uh, uh, the, it's a, their own deflection away from their own ills and their gains and the spoils that they have garnered and that they have a much grander scheme ahead in some cases. See, we always look at these people as well they're not they're not smart enough to scheme. Well, they are smart enough to scheme or they're certainly smart enough to exploit a scheme in order to make as much money off of it as possible. And this goes for all your institutions, which is why we need new institutions. And when I say new institutions, really it isn't the institutions labeling It's the amount of bureaucracy that's inside the institution, the amount of uh, the people, the kind of people we have in, the fact that these people are unethical and immoral. Today, I I actually sent a tweet to one of (laughs) to the university that I attended uh, for well, technically, if I go back to the eighties, I I I had uh, taken classes in four different decades at this uni- at this university uh... Purdue University uh... I took a class in the eighties and in- on computer programming I attended there and got a degree there in nine- 1996 I took a, a constitutional law t- a class at a uh, IUPUI which is Indiana University, Purdue University um... then I took classes in the two- 2010s um, actually refresher courses to, to uh, get my MBA so I know this university well I know what I felt when I was there in the 80s I knew what I felt there in the 90s I live currently I live in the town where it's still uh it, you know it's operating and um some people will look at it and say it's flourishing and see the high rises and the buildings and the new structures and say Mitch Daniels is doing a good job, a good job of bringing in uh, money and whatnot. But I don't see it that way because I recently received a letter from them, not from them per se, but through them, uh, through their uh, tentacles telling uh, students um, that uh, that are in an apartment complex that I am stay in, a stand, which people can judge me for that or whatever, um, that they are going to crack down on them and they were going to issue... Uh, they were going to uh, report them to the dean of students. Now people can say, well, that's the apartment complex's deal. In, in... But yeah, they're, they're harassing and threatening students with uh, 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 reporting, which is just Stasi tactics. Um, this is what we've become. We have a paranoid group of people that have, that have latched on to a particular set, a set of powers and they refuse to let go of it. And they're not letting go of this crisis. They're making, they manufactured this crisis. They manufactured it. There's a manufactured crisis behind this. And then there's a manufactured crisis behind the response to it. That these people manufactured this uh, to, to, keep, to, to obtain power. This is unacceptable. These people don't understand that evidently. And now we, we have a pretty good idea that it's a, a certain amount of mass psychosis or mass formation. I shouldn't say psychosis, but I'm going to. Just for a moment. But the formation that I'm talking about is they literally can't grasp that it's over. And and they're trying to pivot off of one narrative. These masks, now they're going to these N95 masks. This is two years into this. These masks don't work either. And the masks had nothing to do with it. It's a form of power and control. And it needs to stop, like immediately. These, you're damaging people. You're damaging society. Uh, I know Mitch Daniels will never hear this, but he, he is the president of Purdue University. If he had any leadership, he used to be the governor of this state. That's how powerful he used to be. Now he may not be the governor of the state now, but he's the president of, of a major of one of the. 20 largest universities in this country. If I, if I'm I mistaking, if I'm not mistaken, and he certainly has contacts to contact the governor of this state, the local authorities, the state authorities, and it's just. Uh, and this isn't just Indiana, of course, but this is a, this is a, this is a um, microcosm of the, the the authoritarian pushes that these people have put 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 down on us and this extends obviously from the world economic forum if you, if you listen to some recent uh, broadcasts and this isn't the first time everybody knows the people that I listen to know this they got it very clear they know when it the origins they even know the origins of this virus we know that we know the story we know what's going on they know that we know that what's going on they know we know that they're lying about it They know they're lying about it, and they know that we know that they're lying about it. We're at the point where um, now they're trying to blame shift, and they're very eager, in in my opinion, to try to pin the tail on us, the the regular populace, for being the problem for all this. And there are people out here in in our society that are looking for someone to blame for the fact, and that's the reason why the mass uh, formation occurs and that makes it an extremely difficult situation because getting people to shake out of their, their, uh, um, their realities of uh, current situations is so, so difficult that um, trying to get them to accept informa- new information, to change the narrative, I'm not asking them to go back to anything. I'm asking them to use their logic and reason to understand that you cannot continue to be a frightened child especially when there are frightened childs that have more courage than you do and speaking of which I, I have an example of that hopefully it'll play through okay but I have to pause this song here sec for a second there we go so nothing like I'm trying to run two computers at the same time so I'm going to replay this hopefully i can watch it again and hopefully you can hear it okay and see if i can first make sure okay
1: thank you for teaching students that our own mental health is much less important than making triple vaccinated adults feel safe thank you for teaching me that even the most minute risk is not worth taking life is best when you take the path of least resistance with no chance of failure and definitely no chance of catching a cold. Thank you for not reaching out to the students to ask how we feel about masks, because if you did, the majority of students would say that they hate masks, and then you might second guess your decision to make us wear them. Thank you for allowing me to experience the anxiety associated with never seeing facial expressions. Thank you for teaching us that we should never question authority or think critically, but instead we should follow whatever the people in charge tell us to do. Obedience is best. I realize now that thinking for yourself is overrated and not really necessary when you can just make decisions based on fear. Thank you for pushing your irrational fears and anxieties on me because I didn't already have enough to worry about. I realize now how easy I had it when I only had to worry about my classes, my grades, SAT, and getting into college. Thank you for teaching me that being a morally superior person only requires that I cover my face for eight hours a day. And that the most morally superior people wear two masks or even three masks. As you know, states around us—Indiana, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota—which have two and a half times more students than Illinois—don't force kids, don't force kids to wear to masks. I'm with you, though. These states are out of control, recklessly putting kids at risk of misery and death every day. Masks work, even if these states have the same outcomes as Illinois. Speaking of data, thank you for staying silent without mask, about masking, despite the fact that COVID has a very high survival rate in kids my age. Who needs data anyway, though? We all know that it will never be safe to see anyone's face ever again. Thank you for teaching.
0: And that's, that's uh, a young lady who's uh, doing a presentation. This has been going on, though. The school boards know it. They're just scared to admit, admit their their flaws and their reality, and it's um, it's quite shameful. Actually, it's quite disappointing that uh, we have such uh, people who who have an inability, or certainly can't admit they're wrong about anything. And and uh, and then we have people like in this thread. Of course, they just troll. I think, but it's kind of amazing that they would they spend the time to, to troll. And and they they have the time to suggest that, you know, no one, uh, they think that we're, we're trying to uh, hurt people. That is not the case. Now, granted, these are the people we're supposed to try to figure out how, how to um, convince to be on our side. And I don't really know that there is a good way to convince them. They certainly don't have any, uh, understanding, I don't think that it will come through, but one can only hope. I'm going to try to, uh, at the very least, get a response. Um, maybe I will, maybe I won't, who knows? I can't go through everything, but I'm going to go for everyone who got uh, ratioed because there's lots of people that'll, you know, have plenty to say, but, you know, one one uh, you know obedience obedience that's a term that uh, i can't believe anybody would uh, um, take advantage of kids and she was saying all that while wearing wearing a mask by the way it wasn't like she had and there was teachers and people all sitting behind her. And all these people are sitting there scared to death wearing either a cloth mask or maybe they are wearing an n95 mask but nevertheless i think most people are just they're pushing their their irrational fears on everybody to the point to where you you can't snap them out of it i've tried myself uh uh there's there's so many people that are insensitive to everything um and, and and there's people that think that they're actually helping the conversation by saying such crazy stuff um, it, it, I know it's Twitter um, and there's other places to go and try to uh, um, uh, I don't know where the they think we're being inhuman to them that we think uh, that we want them to be hurt now We don't, actually. Their irrational fears, though, will hurt us in our society. And you try to convince them of that. Otherwise, they think that uh, we're not aware of what this... The thing is, is some people have a very, I guess, um, small understanding of how story arcs are created. And when I say arcs or narratives... This is how totalitarianism seeps in and stays in. People become mistrustful. I, primary example, I had a recent experience with this, and I won't go into uh, any of the gory details because certain people uh, uh, that involved, uh, you know, may or may not listen to this and and whatnot. But the the high level of it is, and, and, and I have my suspicions, but I do a lot of investigation and and i I, I create you know some kind of idea or hypothesis in my head i look for data points that lead me to that belief other people can do investigations and find out certain things and if there's enough uh, points of of alignment or repetitive nature a pattern of behavior this is goes to motive and i'm trying to discover what's their motivation we live in very, very, very strange times. Certain platforms are indicative of such uh, motivations. People do things now; they're aware of it. They're experts at it. They've been doing it, whether it be doxing or setting people up, uh, reporting them, deplatforming them, uh, spying on them, using, using. Uh, 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 projection and messaging in order to get uh, get people in trouble by trying to trigger responses um, this has happened to me before uh, I don't I didn't delve into it in detail in this uh, situation but about 20 years ago this is what happened to me I had somebody um, use uh, projection techniques to make false accusations against me directly that didn't apply but and then they continued to uh make th- they made uh uh threats and 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 eventually i got very upset i got drunk um first for the first time in 18 months and i'm telling you this is a factual uh situation uh yeah i wasn't i was very upset with the situation um i let it control my life i let it control the response and so uh, but my response was highly emotionally charged angry but there really wasn't um, there wasn't a true uh, let's just say there wasn't a threat in it it was just very um, despicable language Uh, and and more more self-hatred and hatred of certain you know things that disappoint us you know when you ball up all the disappointments you have and put it all in one letter you're going to have a lot of disappointments and then you start using flourishes of language and colorful language, and that that seeps through and of course, people can misinterpret or interpret it the way they want to to receive that get the result they want or certainly get the the political or legal desires that they want um, in this case, it was illegal desires. The point is of this is that there are people still doing this there always have been people doing this; they want to get you to go away from the logic and the reason. There's a reason why we don't, um, we need freedom of association, but we also have to have a a mindset. uh, We want to trust people and we should look to trust people, but we don't, right, at this particular moment in time, it's very difficult to trust people because the people that we put trust in institutionally, when we put trust in our medical professions, when we put trust in our security or or our our uh, national intelligence apparatus when we put trust in people who are uh, supposedly in charge of the purse strings of our our society the, our, through our taxes and they not only let us down but they're they're just they're stealing right in front of us and lying right to our face and a lot, it doesn't matter what their their what their their political affiliation is they're just straight out doing it and they're doing it with glee you can almost see the glee on their face. They act as if we're buffoons and we don't understand this, but we see it. And, and they're trying they're testing to see how far they can go before we'll respond. They think they're think they're going to use our emotional reactions to this, but it's not, um, for example, I'll continue to play. They're going to use our emotional responses to this as a means to justify their existence and justify their actions. It's really sick. It's it's the decay of a society that, when you ha- have a lack of morality or a lack of moral compass or an ethics, when they're pushing, you know, transgenderism and and, and they're pushing transgenderism in women's sports in, in in Olympic competition. This is the same Olympics that was complaining about steroid use, not. 15, 20 years ago or or, or even back into the uh, 80s, steroid use uh, and and any advantages in EPO and other things. And now they're they're, they're blatantly, blatantly allowing transgenders to participate in Olympic athletics. Now these transgenders are using biological fabrication in order to achieve whatever asinine results they can get. This is, this is detrimental and harmful to our society. There are men and there are women. Men produce sperm. Women produce uh, eggs. It's real simple. Or you can go male and female there. And for the small sliver, the one in 2,000 or the one in 10,000 out there that happen to be XXO or uh, you know missing a, a chromosome or an XXY, or some other very vari- uh, or the variation thereof. I'm sorry for you. Tough luck. I hate to say that life life is hard. There are people that have perfectly uh, normal genetics and they don't reproduce. Um, we should want encourage reproduction. There are ways to fix that, even at adulthood, for those people, possibly. Certainly I, I don't I don't besmirch their ability to try, but this idea that we should be pushing uh, transgenderism in 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 grade school or anything along that line is just to me is just asinine and foolish it's population control which is what they're doing with all these other narratives it's a way to to uh, uh, create chaos. There's the reality versus the chaos, the the reality of chaos. And people say, "Oh, that narrative doesn't exist. That's not true. That can't. That isn't what they're after." The hell it isn't. It's exactly what they're after. They're after this to such a grand grand degree that they don't even they they promote it. Put it in their white papers. Uh, Klaus Schwab was bragging just the other day about him being behind the Club of Rome Club of Rome writings. So he doesn't even hide that fact anymore. He doesn't say oh no, I, I'm not involved in this. Yes he does. He, he is involved in it. And he's glad and proud of it. He, he literally goes after he goes for the whole uh, old enchilada there. He's literally interested in, in in bragging and saying look look at what I can do. Look what I have done. Uh, you need to um you need to go along with this and then you have like they're promoting for example uh teen vogue is uh, reporting uh uh promoting this this idea of uh uh fat um fat acceptance you should be uh, they're they're so worried about destroying people bringing us all down and when I say destroying people, it's nothing, it's nothing against people who happen to have extra weights or extra pounds. I, have, I too, have been in that position. That being said, you should still attempt to try to work on it. Walk, lift weights, try to do something different with your diet. And believe me, it's very difficult. I understand that. But I've gone through that cycle, and I think I, I you know... This last two years has been stressful for all people, not just the people who are already big boned. It's been stressful for all people. And I noticed that a lot of people don't have any consideration for those of us who are trying to get us out of this fix, getting us out of this narrative. This is why we, we, we're starting to, we're trying not to be upset with you. We are trying to uh, encourage you to. Think, think, think about a greater problem, which is that if you don't get out of this, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Compliance is not your friend. We're praying for you, but Jesus, we we are, you know, we are not Jesus. <laughs> we don't have the patience of Job, and all you that continue to fester on this and latch onto this 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 uh, situation. ...and say, oh, it's not going away. Well, it's not going away because you are living in the problem. We want to get beyond the problem, but we have a bigger problem. The bigger problem is our own government, our own world government, the UN, the Xi Jinping, and the Chinese. They want to take over the world, the entire world. They don't want to play halfsies with you. They want the whole enchilada, and our D.C. establishment is so corrupt... They have them blackmailed to their eyeballs, and they know it. And they are—I mean, Biden is a puppet. Biden literally said, "Ooh, it's okay if a—you uh, know if there's a little incursion into Ukraine. What? Since when do we encourage other countries to invade other countries, or say it's okay? Okay, it's almost—we're inviting it. I don't know if that was uh, affording a, a, a slip, but being his amount amount of extra emphasis he has in his lifetime placed upon ukraine and his son being on the board of burisma at one time and the amount of democratic operatives that have been in there which leads us to this next video which i'm going to play at least part of um i gotta get to it though okay so hold on a second So this is, uh, th- this is from the uh, a video. Actually, this was put together um, uh, a few years ago. But we'll go ahead and play it again. Hopefully, it'll hear everything, or you'll be able to hear it okay.
2: Sergey Lovotchkin, Sergey is a close associate to many U.S. politicians.
0: Yeah, those uh, close politicians was uh, one of them was Victoria Newland. Just FYI. She's back over there again and she's been piping up again. She's like Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton of the uh, of the Secretary of State era. She's you know, she's uh, speaks fluent Russian. Her husband uh hangs around with um John Bolton. Um they're all involved in this uh uh group um was it Century for a New a uh, new cent a new oh, was it century for a new american Pro- i can't even new american progress or Pro- progress for a new american century that's what it's PNAC. sorry these acronyms there's so many of them after a while you you, you get them all mixed up cuz there's just so many alphabet soups out there but they founded this back around uh, 1999 2000 they were big war hawks victoria Newland used to uh work for dick cheney uh, and of course we know what Dick Cheney is and Liz Cheney is a war pig and she's trying to she's trying to put herself on the map as the next uh, presidential because she has no district, nobody likes her she's just a terrible person anyway, let's go back to this hopefully uh, the overdub um, will explain it
3: The security service of Ukraine had evidence that on that night Lovochkin was in contact with opposition leader Yatsenyuk where they discussed the clearing of Maidon, a pretext of installing the annual Christmas tree. News media reported that the riot police cruelly attacked the students peacefully sleeping in their tents. But scenes from the event seemed to tell a different story. It appears that the protesters were waiting for the police. Additionally, there were dozens of journalists and cameramen from all the new public TV news outlets prepared to cover the events. And most ominously, group of well-trained young men arrived to Maidan almost simultaneously with the riot police. They infiltrated the crowd and began provocations with insults, stones, and torches.
4: The right sector in Ukraine represents a part of the Ukrainian population that has often favored fairly extreme right wing positions. They had militias that came especially during the Maiden protests. There were groups that were being shipped into Kiev, where they would provide the muscle, in effect, for the demonstrations. So the demonstrations went from being relatively peaceful political protests to be increasingly violent.
3: The first step in the detective work is to establish a motive. It is now said that Sergei Lovotchkin is held in high esteem by his powerful US friends. Outraged by what was reported in the news, the Ukrainian people came out in force on the next day to vent their anger with the police actions. The violence started to take
2: off when?
0: So this is the former um, uh, prime minister of Ukraine. Uh, he said de facto serious law violations began in December
2: 2013. 2013,
0: the events take place in Kiev at, at that time were highly radical.
2: Period, Kiev,
0: they were neo Nazis participating. There were young people armed with bats and metal bars.
2: Metal bars. So.
0: And this is just one video I uh, actually the next video let me get to it I gotta get to this real quick it's a it's quite an interesting thread I left a link in the description of this video that there's a link in the thread let me see here I'll pull this up so there's a point yeah uh, that the second part. let's see here so I gotta get to it here in a second Hold on a second. Okay, right about there, I
2: think.
0: So they use road building machinery,
2: например um. Raiders, the
0: bulldozer the bulldozers then ran into the police officers uh, who were guarding the government and presidential administration buildings and didn't let the protesters seize these buildings
2: president
0: How could how could the president go to such an unruly crowd?
2: Who
0: who was he supposed to talk to? The techniques launched at that time were planned well in advance. This is a color revolution. Money, media, techniques.
3: As veiled and masked as the color revolutions can be, an attentive viewer can see subtle patterns and similarities revealing their true nature.
0: Yemen. Libya.
3: To make crowds act as one obedient group, they have to be united at the unconscious level. The masterminds of color revolutions know this well and have perfected the art. Symbolism is one of the most powerful tools to achieve this end. Revolutionary political organizations with surprisingly similar names and even more similar logos have appeared time and again, almost as omens marking the countries that would be hit by the colored plate next. They are often described as being aware and active when they're actually trained and radical. They are the ones who take the first shot, literal, and metaphorical to transform the peaceful protests into full-blown coup d'etats. Their fingerprints can be found everywhere on the map of the color revolutions.
0: So Libya, Georgia, Moldova, Lebanon.
3: Using all the experience of past generations, simple but effective tools like catchy sing-along
0: and Channing are employed. So yeah, they create... Uh they create a certain, we call it, um, symbolism and whatnot. I guess I could go on to this. So, um, okay. Here's a video I can play. This is a good thread.
2: So, okay.
0: Hold on a second. Uh, I got to get this queued up one thing. So they're talking with Oliver, talking to Oliver Stone in the United States this, uh, this, uh, the header she puts over this this uh, Irish girl John McCain's presence in Ukraine yes he was another one so John McCain who uh, it just so happens that the guy that used to uh, work for him and work with him um, uh, landed in Ukraine uh, in terms of uh, the situations that were ongoing and they use Ukraine and the Russia that the, the, the reason why we why they had to quote-unquote use this to get Russia, Russia, Russia on Trump um, was because they could control Ukraine. They were located on their front doorstep, and they could do a lot of um, talking and discussing and and smearing. The the Ukrainian lobby in Washington, D.C. is very strong. Um, They do a lot of, they want, obviously, they're very corrupt too, and they lobby directly to the Democrats in particular, so. Anyway, let I me mean, that's his backstory.
2: Presence in the US.
0: US representatives and congressmen were frequent guests at that uh, of that at that time. Let I me mean, blow this up high, bigger so I can actually read it. Okay. Miss Newland. Newland visited on numerous occasions and we had discussed state of affairs with her. She was the Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs. Her, uh, like I said, her major skill set is that she's fluent in uh, uh, Russian. Um, There's also a fair amount of other people that were there that uh, we have, we had some highly experienced, we heard about Maria, was it Maria Yovanovich, so she had been over there for quite a while, that's why they got real pissed, the State Department got real pissed when Trump... Trump took office. Vicky left, like for a couple days after his inauguration. But she was one of the last ones to actually look at do a uh, peek see into uh, the Steele dossier and some of the other stuff. She she had met with Christopher Steele in plenty of occasions. But let me let him continue to talk here.
2: Very often.
0: But after, the, after that, she went to the Ma- Maidan and supported protesters. And accused police of abuse of power.
2: We saw all the,
0: these messaged on Maidan.
2: And
0: then you had Christopher Murphy from the U.S. Senate. We'll be back here on... The, okay, I'll let him talk.
2: back here on this square
3: to celebrate with you a Ukraine that stands
1: with Europe, that stands with the United States.
4: Well, members of Congress were visiting Ukraine during that period, most famously Congressman John McCain. So some of the people who were challenging their government, their elected government at that point, were we being told by a senior U.S. official, a person who ran for president and a top official in the U.S. Congress, that the
1: U.S. was with them. I'm Senator John McCain, and it's always a pleasure to be back in
4: Ukraine. Senator McCain was, uh, in, in a sense, giving the people in the Maiden a feeling that they had the, the backing of the most
2: powerful country on earth.
4: This is about my future. If
2: you want more of your your country. This is about my future. You deserve
0: So he says, many delegations were coming over, and I told them that, first of all, they shouldn't have lied. And I'm assuming everything he's saying is being translated correctly. They shouldn't have taken the protesters' side and protected only their rights creating and deepening the conflict
2: are the
0: the protesters allowed to seize governmental buildings in any other country see this is a key aspect of all color revolutions this is the reason why we had a color revolution in the United States our own state our own FBI and CIA must have worked tirelessly to, to take out Trump and they did what's called a probably what's called a soft color revolution. They took did it in far flung states, obviously from D.C. So they did it in Portland. They did it in Seattle. Those were two of their major major uh, strongholds. Um, they were hard left, um, run by operators that had no loyalty, hatred for Trump. Uh, they would allow anything to go on. They didn't care how much they hurt their their citizenry. They didn't care what happened they didn't care about violence uh raz as a matter of fact the guy who uh ran Seattle and w- put together a six block uh uh chaz or chop depending upon when you uh paid attention to that situation the new the new the the little six block area of downtown Seattle that they created that's a um that's a tactic that's been used. By creating a quote-unquote breakaway uh, authority, uh, undermining and subverting uh, state, local, and federal authority, um, you're showing that the government is too weak to to respond because any response is considered, you know, violence against citizens and citizens' rights. Well, they're committing violence against citizens' rights. If you are a business person in that particular area. What rights did you have? Your rights were stripped from you. You couldn't, have, you couldn't make business. Um, and actually, someone did die in, under Raz's leadership in two weeks. Uh, he was shot. and they, they, But they wouldn't allow the ambulances to come into the, their area. And, and then, of course, you know, it, so a person died because of this, the same way David Dorn died during all the violence and riots. This went on under uh, Bill Barr's uh, watch, by the way, who, uh, you know, allowing this to happen. And they refused to call out uh, the military authorities, the National Guard, which is another thing, too. Uh, The National Guard wasn't called out on January 6th. In actuality, though, the National Guard was actually... Uh, requested or uh, offered as aid I think uh, it was on January 5th a, le- a letter was specifically sent from the Trump administration uh, a, you know to offer assistance to D.C. and uh, Muriel Bowser uh, 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 soundly rejected it and she, she emphasized it by restating her position that Washington D.C. D. C. did not need uh, National Guard troops for the r- uh, rally on January 6th. They intentionally, intentionally set this situation up. They did that for a reason. They, the idea was never to allow anybody to investigate. No one ever talks about the Electoral College anymore. Uh, that was the whole point, was to hijack the concept that anybody could question the the election and, question, uh, and actually... Um, Send the election back to the states and and let them re-examine or have more time to look at the election results. They didn't want that. The Democrats have raised that issue before. It has been done, but the Democrats and the Republicans that were both in in on this deal it wasn't just a one-sided deal. Uh, Dick Cheney's spawn Liz was writing getting a letter written by was it uh, the secretary's uh, state? Ten former secretaries of state or defense—I forget, De- secretaries of defense. Sorry, uh, including um, what's his face. Oh, her. Well, for one, her her own uh, her own father, and then the whole Mark Esper and all the other ones. They were they had set this plan afoot, and it included everybody. Um, they put enormous uh, corporations were behind it. There's an I actually have an episode about this anyway, I'm sabotaging this whole thing, but the the point is is all this this is a color revolution that was operated against the United States government. Those who deny it, the ones who are actually aligned with this concept are they they had to do this to disrupt they did not want they had to go forward with their plan. They were not going to allow and it has nothing to do with Trump. It really doesn't. It isn't even about his... It's just the fact that we literally had somebody overthrow our government. And it was overthrown from within our government. They didn't go after him personally because they knew if they did that, then they would have a a mess on their hands that they couldn't control. These people like to control as much as they can. They control and pull back. You see, they, they put their fingers out as far as they can. And then they, they'll they back off. I mean, they don't care about the co- human costs. They don't care about us. The only they care about is their power and control. And, of course, once they got him literally removed from office, and it wasn't by force, but removed from office by all the catastrophe that they were... These people are evil. They don't care about our country. They've sold us down the river. And... Uh, uh, whenever they eventually get caught which they will at some point or another they will they will be held to great account uh it may not be in my lifetime but um we can't let the there's not going to be they can't they're not going to be able to get get rid of all of us there's always going to be a memory of uh of of somebody out there that's going to know what uh, went on hopefully they're smart enough to know to write this stuff down so i'll play a little bit more of this and then Yeah, I'll just go ahead and let it play.
2: Yeah.
0: Can a Ukrainian protester come to Ferguson and hand around donuts and accuse the police officers? He's referencing Ferguson, uh, Missouri, I think it is. The Ferguson issue... He said, I believe it is unacceptable in a European country as well. Exactly. But uh, you know, the, U- the U.S. has is, is hell- been hell-bent on keeping Ukraine. They see it as their imperative to keep... Well, also, they, there's probably... There's so many reasons. A, they want to keep Russia bottled up. And they see that as a major, you know, maybe throw th- a fl- th- flow-through point. But meanwhile, they probably have an enormous corruption operation going there where they run money and drugs and everything else through there, and we know that's going on. And there's also a huge amount of uh, natural resources and whatnot. But uh, the U.S. The, our foreign policy is so distorted in one direction towards Russia and so un, unhinged with regard to China that this is going to be the undoing of our country because these assholes... Are seriously playing with uh, enormous fire, and of course they don't care because they don't care about this country anymore. These people think we're maggots, the people that live out in the middle of this country. So
2: he said, "Why?
0: Why is Ukraine Ukraine treated like that?" Who was your highest level contact with the U.S. government this period? had contact with Biden. Yeah, Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden. So he had numerous phone conversations with but Biden. So play this last little
2: bit. Con- contact with Mr. Biden, Vice President. had phone Biden.
0: He said the problem was Biden said one thing, but did different things in Ukraine.
2: And the U.S. ambassador,
0: Joffrey Pratt, which is the guy that was the other heavy hitter with Victoria Newland.
2: I постоянно принимал представителей Майдана у себя в посольстве.
0: Мы это очень хорошо знали. We kept track of it and we got the impression that the headquarters in charge of the whole process was the U.S. Embassy.
2: In early February of 2014, as the Maiden Crisis was getting more violent. There was
4: a phone call that was intercepted. It was a call between the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs, Victoria Newland, and the U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey Pyatt.
1: Questions of credibility are being raised after a private chat between two top U.S. diplomats was leaked online. I think Yats is the
3: guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's he's the guy. You know what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. I I, I just think. Going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no,
2: I think, that's, yeah. I think that's
3: right. Okay. Good. Would you want us to try to set up a call with him? Here's the next step. Sullivan's come back to me, the uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deeds to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. So you
4: had this.
0: So they were formulating a plan, a Yatsenyuk. The deed says in details. Uh, yeah. They were doing this whole little shindig. So, yeah, this... Okay, I'll let, let them continue. There's only about another minute, less than 45 seconds. It's a
4: remarkable phone call where you have these two senior officials of the U.S. government apparently talking about a coup or how they were planning to restructure the government in Ukraine. Fuck the EU. Oh, no, exactly. I'm not saying the whole U.S. government feels that way. The, there's, there is division on this, but the neoconservative element wants very much... To change the strategic dynamic in Eastern Europe, the neocons are very smart people, and they've been at this for a long time. They came in around the issue of propaganda. They studied how to create hot buttons for the American people. They had this experience when they were getting the American people to get excited about Central America back in the 1980s. So it's east a regular army.
0: Yeah. Well, here's a here's. Uh, little news flash it isn't no longer about neocons and i mean we know they're war picks don't get me wrong the neocons pl- play placate their you know their um but they uh, uh they placate their base at least in the the in the sense of that regard uh by you know um talking you know, about god and uh, fear-mongering and whatnot but the the bigger problem is, is uh, they're no longer the bigger. They're no longer uh, big uh, amongst their base because their base feel portrayed. They sent too many of their their sons and daughters over there to get butchered and killed, and you know, of course, there's a lot of people around the world that have a great deal of antagonism towards the United States because of the the lies they've told to get us into war, get uh, our entire country into war, uh, Iraq and. Afghanistan to just name the two not counting Vietnam so and, and, and this is just you know this is unacceptable to you know I, I despised Bush when he got us into these effed up wars both of them <laughs> both Bushes uh, and uh, you know and I'm no longer a Democrat <laughs> and I wasn't ever very I wasn't much of a Democrat let's put it this way uh, but anyway, uh, when I say not much of a Democrat, I was tacitly supportive only because I couldn't stand Bush, uh, and I voted for Pro, and then unfortunately voted for Obama. Anyway, let's play play this last little bit, and I will. Go, uh, that'll be the end of this uh, video. So that way, the, there is there is division on this, but the neoconservative element wants very much to change
4: the strategic dynamic in Eastern this Europe. This is repetitive. <laughs> the neocons are very smart people, and they've been at this for a long time. They came in around the issue of propaganda. They studied how to create hot buttons for the American people. They had this experience when they were getting the American people to get excited about Central America back in the 1980s. The Sandinista, a regular army, the ground force is being equipped now with Russian artillery. And they've been applying those same strategies ever since. They remain very dedicated to achieving their goals. They still want to get rid of certain governments. They want a regime change in Syria, for instance, regime change in Iran. They're very skilled at this. And they have a lot of allies now inside the news media, inside the government. And that means that they can do a lot to control the narrative of any story. I think in America these days, we
0: have somehow told ourselves... So Robert Kagan... Is doing that talking right there? That's on uh, Victoria Newland's uh, husband. He's a fat idiot, and a, a, he he obviously thinks he's very. He like writes books and shit like that. Anyway, But there are a lot of ways of dealing with these problems
2: other than hard power. Vladimir Putin cares about hard power. The
4: neoconservatives can now demonize a leader of a country that sells with the American people. No, it so doesn't. So you don't just sort of argue a policy. You attack the leader. So the neoconservatives became very skilled at picking out leaders, finding their ugly traits, and then highlighting them. Yanukovych, you might say was a rather clunky political leader, but you make him into a devil. He's he's totally corrupt, and he's evil, and he wants to kill people in the maydan, these wonderful white-hatted demonstrators. So you've got a black hat versus white hat. That, and then you keep repeating that basic scenario, and it works with the American people. Got to realize what Vladimir Putin is. He's an old KGB colonel that wants to restore the Russian Empire. You make them into demons, and the American people find that the way they can understand the world. Once that happens, it's very difficult for a journalist or anyone else to say, you know, hold it, that guy, he's got more of a gray hat than a white hat or a black hat. Uh, and if you say that, you suddenly are you're a Yanukovych apologist or you're a Putin apologist, and and then the attacks come on to the person saying it the journalist, the academic or whoever
0: could... yeah, and that's like in in a in in a nutshell is the story of having very lack of nuance so and she goes down that uh, the coup d'etat. So there was a there was a coup d'état on February twentieth, of twenty fourteen. That's when it began. And if you go to the Charlie Rose show, there's old videos of Victoria Newland and all the people, the McCain's and everybody that they had on. So yeah, they they the way the the presenter presents the the neocon. So yeah, for a long time our neocon friends, I guess you could say, or enemies, have been uh running our foreign policy over in Ukraine and other places. They do that so that they have a piece of the pie, they they, they can control the military industrial complex, the the Raytheons, the General Dynamics, the all the particular military contractors that they get a cut or a piece of the action from. And the Neo Libs. Which are often left out of this situation Which is really its not, it, it, Believe me it's not as new on, uh, I mean Victoria Nuland was working in the Obama administration So I mean You could say that Honestly they would just uh, They turn—they continue to keep uh, Certain people around uh, Irrespective Because they like them being in those positions To keep the war ginned up I mean let's not forget that uh, Hillary Clinton is not a was uh, responsible or certainly involved in many um, situations regarding the Middle East. We keep on there the, the liberals the liberals that defend her um forget about her her tacit or uh, missions that, you know, what difference does it make? I mean, that's the big quote. Uh they complain about how she was drugged before Congress too many times. You're always drugged before Congress. There account there's accountability and there should have been accountability for uh bush but it, it seems kind of interesting how much they allowed the we got totally sucked into an enormous problem and yet no one to this day has been able to uh uh properly hold account the people that put us in this you know deficit and situation and everything in war is about you know controlling the media and the propaganda and making big shows and productions. And the Democrats, I mean, that's the January 6th, you know, they they had a candlelight vigil, and they made it all... there, There was one person who died on that day, one person, and she was shot, and she was not one of the Democrats' favorite people. They treated her like she doesn't even exist, Ashley Babbitt. And all the, quote, media has continued to lie and, 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 and conflate the situation and add in information that isn't true or saying that it's almost... In, uh, saying certain things are uh, happening or uh, happened when they, in fact that didn't happen on that day. The people that, that passed away had conditions, uh, some of them very un, uninvestigated, so that makes you... that's another thing. So... I, I want to continue with this because it's it's an interesting story. I skipped one video, but I'm a this is an a interesting thread. There's an entire YouTube uh, uh, movie on this, and I included it in the link to the description. But this is a part of grander scheme. It's good to know the background on Ukraine because uh, they're trying to do it again. You know who else but Biden, who was involved in it the first time. He was the chief point man for our. Uh, uh, foreign policy and look at what a failure it's been and yet people voted for this now I I can't some people are going to vote D or R no matter doesn't matter what clown they put in front of them they just go I've been burned they they refuse to have nuance it's black and white they won't vote for an independent because there's no backing behind it Uh, they won't vote for a libertarian or they won't vote for just somebody else different a third party so anyway
2: Latest developments follow the dismissal of President Viktor Yanukovych on Saturday.
4: And they removed Yanukovych not following the constitutional procedures for impeachment. Процедура импичмента не была соблюдена.
2: Для этого должен был быть привлечен Конституционный суд, Верховный суд. Этого не сделали. И голосовать в парламенте должны были три четвертых депутатов.
3: The parliament of Ukraine consists of 450 deputies. The constitution of Ukraine requires at least a three-fourths majority to vote. In other words, 338 votes in favor of the impeachment. But only 328 deputies voted yes. Три четвертых не проголосовали. The U.S. State Department
2: almost
4: immediately said this was a legitimate government, and that was part of this effort to get regime change. Instead of trying to find some way to revive the February 21st agreement, where maybe you could bring back Yanukovych in some titular way, that became not a possibility anymore. Then you had eastern Ukraine resisting, you had Crimea wanting to break away, and things rapidly escalated. Voters will decide Sunday. Whether they'll leave Ukraine and join Russia.
1: The campaign with the slogan Together with Russia has the backing of Moscow. The
3: Crimea
2: situation, the referendum is also happening during this period very quickly.
0: The Crimea was a, a, a referendum by the Crimean people. It was their response to the Maidan representatives trying to arrange another Maidan in Crimea.
2: is not,
0: not a secret that the Crimean people have always been pro-Russian.
2: Crimean authorities, sensing
3: the mood of the populace, fully supported Viktor Yanukovych's decision to postpone the 2013 European Union Association deal and side deeper ties to Russia. Mm-hmm. As the events in Kiev took their course, Crimean authorities issued a declaration putting into words the fears of its people. Based on the will of the Crimeans who elected us, we declare that we will not give Crimea to extremists and neo-Nazis seeking to seize power in Ukraine at the cost of the blood of the country and its citizens. After the regime change in Kiev...
0: So, and here's another little factoid. So that neo-Nazi regime, the right Right Front, um, that happened to be somebody who was um, uh, involved in uh, the January sixth uh, situation. There were members of the Right Front there uh, 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 operating at the behest or certainly likability of Petro Poroshenko. So, and this is from my uh, research. The, I I don't the they were just. People that, I, I can't pronounce their names, so I'm not going to pretend to, but they were actually so close, they were involved with the, the, the Q Shaman, which makes it very interesting that they were there. Why were they there? Obviously, they were joining in the, the, the big party to undermine or keep uh, to basically keep any um, involvement in the election review uh, to be non-existent. So, you had FBI agents there, you had Antifa, you had the Proud Boys, you had the Ukrainian uh, Right Front, you uh, you had uh, the specific actors such as Ray Epps, Arthur, um, was it Stuart Rhodes, uh, John Sullivan? You had all these particular players on the board, and we know there's substantial evidence probably now that the FBI was heavily involved. They didn't allow any. They didn't allow any real violence there. And there was a video that just came out showing that Ashley Babbitt came into that uh, that little foyer or whatever you want to call it uh, stairwell or stair uh, between the stairwell and, and going in. And she talked to the police prior to this. This is before it got very crowded. So she was she was interacting with the, the, the cops that were there. The, there were cops all around her the entire time why was she shot dead? Explain that to me um, for the people out there that won't. There's so many questions. And if you're not questioning things by now, if you're not questioning your reality by now, you're hopeless. I mean, I know the people that kind of listen to me obviously question reality and they question certain things. and And there's nothing wrong with having questions and coming up with some some high level analysis to think, you know, maybe this is this is the way it's piece. you have to come up with the pieces to the puzzle and formulate, you know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. What pieces fit, which ones don't. What would you do if you were running this operation? And that's really what it boils down to. How would you go about doing what you're doing? If you're trying to do maximum damage, or what's you have to come up what's the motive, what do you think the the final agenda is, and then how you would get there. And then see if the the data points align with that particular track. Once you do those things, you have a pretty good understanding of what what's going on. And it didn't behoove Trump or his uh, supporters to undermine uh, review. It just didn't. Nobody would do that. I mean, you, you may say, oh, well, Trump was flawed and he knew he knew he didn't really win and uh, he had to sabotage this event and... He had to cause violence and he tried to do an insurrection and overthrow. They didn't bring weapons. There was no weapons involved in the situation. If there was truly an insurrection, you would have had that. And they weren't going to allow that. You can't even get away with that in D.C. This has all been a projection and a hoax. But it's quite entertaining that you had people. And of course, here's, here's, here's some fun facts. So Bill Barr left the month before. And there's a letter just recently that came out through Politico talking about how they were, uh, there was a uh, there was a letter written up about uh, uh, obtaining or certainly uh, confiscating the the Dominion uh, voting machines. Well, yes, the voting machines were in play. Now, do I think that the election fraud pivoted solely on the election uh, the voting machines? Actually, I don't. I think it was a help, not a uh, total total impact on the election. Uh, that's the reason why they stopped the the count in the middle of the night. Something was wrong with the algorithm that they had, or or the algorithm wasn't going to be sufficient. So that pissed them off, and they had to come up with a plan B. And they already planned the plan B. That tells you how malevolent these people are. They were already they they had already uh, covered uh, for the fact that they might be uh, may be a failure or something. So they, you know, they don't know what they didn't know, but they knew they could fix it if they had to. So, um, getting back to this, so you had voting issues, um, I'm gonna, so here, let me go back to this, so, so the Crimeans, Ukraine's important issue. The oil well of the Crimeans who elected us, we declare that we will not
3: give Crimea to extremists and neo-Nazis seeking to seize power in Ukraine at the cost of the blood of the country and its citizens. After the regime change in Kiev, rumors began spreading in Crimea that the new authorities would be merciless to those that opposed them.
0: Glory to Ukraine. This
3: led to the pro-Russian demonstrations rejecting the new government in Kiev. On February 27th, the government buildings in the capital of Crimea were seized by pro-Russian protesters. The current Crimean government was dismissed, and the new leader, Sergey Aksyonov, was assigned as the leader of the
2: Crimean Autonomous Republic.
0: and He said, surely they hoped the Russian government would protect them. So this is what happens when, you know, I understand the United States from their their policy position and, and obviously from their uh, obviously warlike position. They've, they've tried to encroach on, on the boundaries of Russia to keep them pinned up. Because they, you know, they projected this fear. Plus, like I said, if you have a corrupt operation there, and you're money laundering, and you're running weapons through there, and running millions, if not billions, of dollars through there, and aid, and funneling it through their banks, and and you're taking kickbacks and the whole nine yards, and you have George Soros involved, which he is involved in this, uh, yeah, you're going to have this. You're they're going to do everything they can to to push the envelope, and but they, but you know, the Ukrainians are just lesser <laughs> lesser versions of the Russians in terms of corruption and only lesser just because of <laughs> square miles and, and lack of a military.
2: <laughs> On March 16th,
3: the Crimean referendum was held and the people voted to leave Ukraine and enter the Russian Federation. The situation in Crimea is being presented
4: as uh, a Russian invasion and again, nobody who looks at this seriously it looks at the poll numbers. Some of the poll numbers done by the U.S. government agencies themselves, showing that the people of Crimea preferred being part of Russia. In the U.S. news media, it has all been presented as the Russians invaded. They then staged a sham election with people with guns at their backs. Somehow they faked the ballot boxes to get 96% approval for uh, rejoining russia the idea of a referendum in crimea is uh, just quite simply unconstitutional
2: it does raise questions on whether this vote really is free and fair especially given the heavy military presence in crimea right now Errol.
4: so that's how it's been sold to the american people the reality is it's very different
0: yeah. This certainly is electric. Thousands of people who've gathered in the
3: capital, Crimean city of Simferopol. All of this following a referendum held last Sunday, in which the majority of people here overwhelmingly voted in support of being reunited with Russia.
2: what is democracy.
0: Democracy. And this is Vladimir Putin. He says, Says, "I want to ask you, what is democracy?" He's talking, he's speaking real fast. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> uh, Vladimir. Vladimir is a top tier, top tier. Well, he's also a grandmaster at strategy, but he's a top tier sociopath. But you know, <laughs> do you think going to war with a guy who's got five thousand nuclear war, warheads is a, a, a good idea? If you're in the United States, when you have, a, a, there are there are much huger and bigger fish to uh, handle out here. He has an economy that's about one fifteenth the size of the United States' economy. His major oil, a major uh, uh economic uh generator is obviously uh energy, oil, natural gas, which he keeps on in me he uses to uh to uh hold uh, Europe down because the European Union's too fucking retarded to figure out that you can't uh you can't run an economy on windmills and uh, bullshit solar panels, but of course they want to try. That's what Germany's doing. This is what happens when you allow a higher level sociopath, even a higher level sociopath than this guy, to run. I, I would be curious what he has to say about Klaus Schwab. I'm sure he says nothing. He's a nobody because he doesn't have any. He doesn't have a military operation. I mean, who? Who who died and made Klaus Schwab king? Oh, uh, he's just a puppet. He's just a front stooge for LG well, and and a, and a myriad of other players in the the banking industry. But nevertheless, he's he does certainly have some kind of place and position in this. But it's quite interesting that the, the Europe is being uh, extorted or or blackmailed and, and and yet they they seem. I mean, a lot of the there's a there's the Eastern Bloc of Europe. is very well aware of what's going on and they sure as hell don't want to be involved with either they actually don't want either party but they don't really have a lot of choice so this is a very interesting and and insightful so I'm going to play the play the last last of this Putin's view on NATO Um, anyway I'm just uh I think I'm just gonna play it out because it's kind of interesting. There's enough. There's a lot of meat and potatoes on this. So, and we we are dealing with international affairs at this point. So.
3: In support of being
2: reunited.
3: Let me get to the point.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Not
0: manipulate international law and the principles of democracies every time according to your geopolitical interest. So that's what he's saying. He says, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure there was plenty of pressure uh, put on to the Crimean people to vote for getting into the Russian uh, uh,
4: Federation.